Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Rhonda, I'm so glad you're here. We are going to talk with my good friend and colleague and just a sweet, sweet person. Her name is Barris Burgoyne. And if you don't know her, she is part of the MediHerb team out of Australia. You'll quickly recognize her wonderful accent. But she has been a clinician for 40 years and has a tremendous amount of clinical experience that I love learning all about. And today, she is going to dive into using and creating liquid blends in your practice. And she gives us three pretty amazing formulas in the very beginning of the podcast. And then we talk about a few other things towards the end, but she's a wealth of information. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Here we go. Here's my interview with Barris Burgoyne. Well, Barris, it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Rhonda. It's wonderful to see you. It's a shame it's not in person. I know. To see you on I, I keep saying one of these days we're going to make the trip across the water and get down to Australia again. Rick and I got, as you know, Rick and I got married in Australia. Yes. So it's a little bit of home for us. So we love Brisbane and we love Sydney, but Brisbane's probably our favorite. Isn't that where you are? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Yes. And you yeah. got married just not far, a few not kilometers far. from where I live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm so glad. And we've not done this before. You and I have met up several times, you know, over the yes. years in the US and in Australia, but we've not done anything like this. So I'm so excited to have you on Me too. And, <laughs> and be able to talk about this subject. So the subject we're going to be chatting about is using liquid herbs in your practice and really how to leverage those liquid herbs in a way that gives your patient the best benefit. And I thought, who better to talk about this than you being the seasoned clinician that you are. So before, for those of you, the listeners that don't know you kind of give us a little bit of a background, how you got into, you know, uh, wellness, herbal medicine, what your, you know, life kind of your life journey is with this and how long you've been practicing and all that. So we want the whole story. All right. Thank you, Rhonda. I'll give you a bit of my background. And the reason I got into natural medicine was that uh, when I was in my early to mid-20s, I had two babies uh, 14 months apart, uh, first one 10 months after I was married, and I lived in a remote mining town in Western Australia, 5,000 kilometres from family and friends. And that wasn't such a good idea because I had postnatal depression quite severely after my second child. And I went to doctors uh, when I came back to Brisbane. I went to doctors and gynecologists. And the options that were offered to me was at the age of 25, a hysterectomy because, oh. you know, the doctor said, well, if you don't have a uterus and you don't have uh, periods, you won't be getting the, the premenstrual exacerbation of right. all of this, um, you know, postnatal right. stuff. Right. And I thought I knew nothing about health at that point in time, but that didn't seem like a good idea. And, of course, I know now it, it wouldn't have helped anyway. Right. Um, and I was offered um, hormone therapy, you know, those sorts of things. N none of those were appealing to me. 
So I went to an acupuncturist naturopath. And within, I think, two months of seeing that person, I was absolutely fine. No PMS, no postnatal depression. And this is this is probably 18 months after the birth of my baby. You know, it went on for wow. a long time. Wow, wow. And um, anyway, so I thought, whoa, there's something in this. So that's why I eventually started studying herbal medicine and naturopathy. So, you know, and that's the same for many of us, I think. We do it based on our own personal experience. It's so true. And, and then we end up focusing on the very thing that we have experience in, right? The absolutely. thing that we've overcome because you can speak to it from experience. Absolutely. And so I went to naturopathic college as a single parent by that time. <laughs> and... Um, so I studied part-time and the first, first um, semester I did herbal medicine, it was like, oh, yeah, this, this is okay. And I was very interested in herbs always. And I thought, oh, yeah, but, you know, I sort of thought, gee, I'd like a bit more information here than what I'm getting from this lecturer. Then second semester we get a new lecturer and that was Kerry Bone. And that was the best thing that's ever happened in my life, or one of the best things I have to say, because all of a sudden here was this person that had this great in-depth knowledge of herbal medicine and explained it very well, went into the research. Uh, look, it was just phenomenal. And I thought, this is what I want. Yeah, yeah. Isn't, and I love that you guys have ca carried this relationship, obviously, all these years later, that he was your and that, favorite instructor. That would, have, that would have been 40 years ago or more. Oh, my gosh. The first time Kerry walked into the classroom. And so I had him for five years or four and a half years of herbal medicine. And he used to walk into the class, sit on a chair in front of the class, with a folder of research papers in front of him, and we might cover one herb per night or whatever, depending on what the herb was. I think Echinacea went for at least two different lectures, of course. Of course. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he would sit there and he would just talk about the herb. He never gave a handout and he would occasionally get up and write something on the whiteboard. Not, not a lot. He would sit there and he would talk and then occasionally he'd pull a research paper out of the folder and he'd read out some information from it. For me, that was just, I loved it. I loved it. And just, wow. and really when Carrie talked about herbs, it's, it sank in with me. It was well, just, and for him, it, 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 he, he makes it come alive. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's a part of his, the fiber of who he is. I mean, these Absolutely. living yeah. plants and these phytochemicals and all this activity that happens in there, he knows it and he knows it so well. And he's like really committed his life to it, which is why we love so much using Medier because that's his kind of brainchild, but that whole process of how he created these herbs, it, it has very quickly and rightfully so risen to be the number one herbal brand in the world. Yeah, so. yes. And, and, you know, so I was very lucky to be taught by Kerry for all those years. Then I went on to teach at that same college and students of mine have gone on to teach. So it's, it's a wonderful sort of lineage, really, I think. But it was Kerry that really got me into herbal medicine, but it was my, you know, really developed and, and yeah. nurtured my interest in herbal medicine, really. And for me, then there was no, no turning back. 
like the ma- the majority of my practice was always going to be herbal medicine. And in those days, probably so I've been in practice now for 32 years. And for the first 10 years of my practice, roughly, we had no, no tablets. We had only liquids. No kidding. No tablets because wow. no, Mediherb weren't producing tablets back then. And there was no good quality herbal tablets around, really. So I only used Mediherb liquids in my clinic. I used some nutritional supplements, but as far as herbal medicine went, it was it was Mediherb liquid herbs. Liquids. So every one of my patients took away a bottle of liquid herbs. Sometimes they took away two bottles. They might have taken one to have during the day and another one to have at night to help sleep or something. So Wow. You know, my practice was built, a successful clinical practice was built on liquid herbal liquid medicines. Herbs. What's, and your, I have, what's your favorite liquid herb? Oh, Would you look, pick one? I, look, no, it's like asking someone. People <laughs> always say this, like asking someone to pick their favorite child. Favorite child, I know. I can't <laughs> coming. <laughs> look, I would have to say ashwagandha. I love is that herb. way up there. Mm-hmm. There's probably probably four or five I could say my favorites in ashwagandha. Always the one that comes to mind first. It's of all. it's one of my absolute favorite herbs because it's such a good multitasking herb, and I love it because it's safe for anyone at any age at any time. It plays well in the sandbox. It doesn't compete with any pharmaceutical drugs. Like it's just no. as safe as say you could give it to someone in their eighties, and you could give it to a five year old. Like you yeah. could. And just- in actual in actual fact, there's a lot of research to support it as a a very the best tonic for children. Yes, yes. Best tonic for children. Yeah. And also a really good tonic for the elderly. And of course, it's good for everybody in between as well. Yeah. So it's it's my favorite herd for children without a doubt. So let's talk about then you these these liquid blends that you made, because that's what I really want to dive in with you on okay. this topic. So when you create these liquid blends, what type now with all this clinical history you have, what types of clinical blends are you making? What kind of herbs are you putting? What conditions are you dealing with that you think are best suited for these liquids? Because in the US, we sometimes uh, practitioners are a little nervous about knowing how to put the herbs together and what the, like, oh my gosh, there's a minimum and a maximum. And, you know, so many meals per week translates to how many, like it, it gets a little overwhelming. And so then they just go, oh, forget it. I'm just going to give the tabs, but there's some liquids that we can't get as well in the tabs that might be better suited in the, or some tabs that those, those, uh, herbs may be better suited as a liquid. So how do you use them now? The liquid blends. Look, I do use a lot of the herbal tablets without doubt in my clinic, but I I have never stopped blending liquid herbs. And every time I go to blend a liquid, I love it. I always think I was probably some sort of witch in my inner past life <laughs> because I just love this process so much. So, uh, look, I think some of the, the most common blends I would do these days are blends for the nervous system. With, with adaptogens, adrenal tonics, maybe nervous system herbs in them. So I think if you don't have a lot of experience li- doing liquids and you're feeling a little bit nervous about it, you know, I think just make up a few blends that you can pre-make 
Yes. And you can have them there, maybe in a 200 mil bottle or a 100 mil bottle, whatever, right. whatever works for you. 100 mil, you know, if we're dosing five mil three times a day or seven and a half twice a day, so that 15 mil a day, if you do 100 mil, that's, you a know, week. almost that's about a week and mm-hmm. 200 mil will last two weeks. So you can, right. I usually blend in 200 mils. That's how I do it too. Yeah. So I think if you can just make up some blends and I'll, I'll maybe, you know, I'll give you one that I I use a lot. You know, I tend to do it very individual for, individually for my patients as I come in. But for, you know, all of our patients are going to need adaptogens. I don't think there's any Everyone, every, especially Everyone. now. Yes, adaptogens and adrenal tonics. Yep. So one of my favourite blends would be, it's always going to have ashwagandha in it. Yay! And then I use either Romania or licorice. For the adrenals. Usually yeah. one or the other when I'm doing a liquid blend. And then I would use something like uh, maybe rhodiola if I'm wanting the adaptogenic and tonic effect. Yeah. Or if I'm wanting a stronger adaptogenic effect, I would use Siberian or Eleuthero. Yep, Eleuthero. Instead of. So, you know, and I might just put those three herbs in, especially if it's Romania because they're all. They play all well the with Romania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rom- I love the blend of Romania, Rhodiola and Ashwagandha. I yeah. absolutely love it. And it's one I use in my clinic a lot. So if you wanted to just do that blend, I would normally do, if we're looking at it, I normally well, but mix we can't, 200 more. We can't get, ro- we don't have liquid Rhodiola. Oh my God, you don't. All right. No, I wish we did, but we have ashwagandha and we have Romania. So then I would say Eleuthero. Use Eleuthero. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Do you so use equal you, parts? How do you, how do you break that out? The ashwagandha is a little bit lower dose. Uh-huh. You could eat, you could do equal parts mm-hmm. or if you wanted to add a little bit more, I'll give you that formula. You could do equal parts of that. Absolutely whether you're doing 100 mil or 200 mil, do equal parts and dose it 15 mil a day in two to three divided doses. Yeah. If, for example, because the Eleuthero doesn't have a lot of tonic effect. Right. It's more adaptogenic, Adaptogenic. which is fabulous. So if you wanted to add just a little bit more tonic effect with that, you could add a little bit of Korean ginseng Mm -hmm. and you don't need very much to get that tonic effect in there. So if I was doing that, uh, say if we did the 200. We can do ashwagandha. So if you just doing, bumped that up a little bit, so you had maybe what, 40 mils of ashwagandha? Um, I would do, if you're doing 100, ashwagandha is a little bit lower dose. Oh, ashwagandha, the lower dose. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, so the I would do. 35 of each Romania and, and Luthro and 30, uh, of, 30, 30 of, of Ashwagandha. Now, if you wanted to add a little bit of a Luthro to that, just to bump it up a little bit, what you could do is do 30 of each of those three and add 10 mil of oh, uh, Korean ginseng. Of ginseng, yeah. First formula would be 30 of Ashwagandha, 35 each of Romania and Luthro. 
And if you wanted to add Korean ginseng just to give it more tonic effect and just to increase energy a little bit faster, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. Uh, then I would do 30 of each and 10 of the Korean ginseng. Korean ginseng. And they, they would be good formulas just to have in your clinic and they're going to suit a whole range of people. And you know, the nice thing about that, that particular formula right there, because we can get all those herbs in the US. I am contending for liquid rhodiola. I think our chances of getting it are next to none, but that's okay. I'm still contending for it. But that particular formula, as we mentioned before, would be good for literally anyone at any age, regardless of what they're doing, but it's going to be a nice little energy tonic as well. I mean, it'll give a nice little boost to energy as well as that adaptogenic, which I love that, that yin and yang, you know, it's like it bumps, it brings you up, but yet it has that calming and very not sedating, but very calm, very peaceful. Like I always say, it puts your butt in the chair. You're not flopping around like a balloon out somewhere. You're like very stable. I love the combination of ashwagandha and Korean ginseng together. Mm. And it can sound counterintuitive. You've got the ashwagandha, which right. is more calming, oh, yeah. and the Korean ginseng, which is more, more stimulating with some adaptogenic effect. It's not overly stimulating. Right. right. But it really helps to, you know, we, we call that combination for the tired and wired person, basically. If people have already got these liquids in their clinic to, to use for mixing, if you wanted to, you know, you've got a depressed patient and you want to add some some St. John's wort in there. So, oh. you know, you can't add St. John's wort to the formulas I've just given you because there's not enough space. Not room, yeah. So this is where maybe we could uh, combine a liquid and a tablet if you wanted to do that. Yeah. So yeah. so we, we could go with the ashwagandha, Romania, because we want the the, uh, the adrenal effect, tonic, the adrenal, yep. adrenal tonic effect. And then we could put St. John's wort in there as the um, antidepressant nervous system herb right. at 35 mil in 100. And yep. then you could give the rhodiola and the, we can't, oh, the, the rhodiola ginseng tablets. Yeah, there you go. That's a great, so, that's a great idea. So this is, this is sort of how I balance what to give people. I think so often here, the practitioners in the US, we tend to think that more is better, i.e. more supplements. And we want to give a tablet and a tablet and a tablet and then a liquid. And then we're going to deal with this. And then we're going to, and the patient, poor patient walks out the door with 10 things. And I think that where the power and the magic and the beauty of the liquid herbs are, is that when you understand how multifaceted they are, that you literally can use one herb it doesn't ashwagandha is also very beneficial for the immune system, but you Absolutely. don't wouldn't use it like, like echinacea for the immune system, but you're giving a gentle nudge to the immune system as you're reducing the stress and improving the adaptogenic potential of the body. So there's so many Absolutely. other actions and facets to these herbs that I think we, we in the U S anyway, I think sometimes we get in a box, we think echinacea immune. St. John's wort, depression, valerian, nerve. Like we just put everything in a box and there's no boxing. We should undo the box and think about these herbs in a much more broad perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I I don't know any herbalists or naturopaths who use herbal medicine that would give a single herb 
to a patient. Yeah. Like right. give someone comes in with depression, you give them St. John's wort. We might give them St. John's wort and we might give it to them as a single tablet, for example. Right. But it's not going to be the only herb we give them. Right. You're going to because use adaptogens or you're going to use some other things to tonify the body and support the body. Yeah. Yeah. If someone's depressed, you've got to support the HPA axis. So you're automatically thinking adrenal tonics and adaptogens. Mm -hmm. You can't get away from that. No. And then you've got to think about sleep. Are they sleeping well? So, you know, so there's a whole range of things. And I think it's probably a good time, Rhonda, for me to highlight what I think are the major advantages of doing liquid blends. Yes. Because as I say, in the early days, I built my practice on liquid blends. And they are still a major part of my practice. Yeah, yeah. And so the main advantages I see is first we can individualise the treatment. Right. So I've just given you some formulations, three formulations using a lot of the same herbs, a few of the same herbs in each one that we can just tweak a little. Is the patient depressed? Do they need a little bit more energy and more tonifying add a little bit of cream ginseng. Right. It's not that hard to do. And you can pre-make these formulations and then you can give them to individual patients. And right. once you've been doing this for a little while, you might think, oh, I like that formula, but I think if I just change it this little bit for this one patient, it'll be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And that just takes time to develop that and have confidence in doing it. But the only way you're going to have confidence is to actually start doing it. That's you right. Develop. You can't wait till you've got complete confidence to do something because you'll never do you'll it. Never you've do got it. Because you're always doing it. You always are going to start on the tricycle with the training wheels. Like it's Absolutely. not only a tricycle, but it's a tricycle with training wheels. And you're going to be yes. referring to the books and looking at the minimum maximum and trying to figure out how you want to do it. And then you're getting feedback from the patient. How's the Absolutely. patient doing? And the patient says, well, you know, it worked okay, but I, I'm still not feeling like I've got enough energy. And you think, oh, I forgot. I should have put the ginseng in there. So yes. well, maybe the ginseng, or maybe you need more of the adaptogenic tonic, right. the adaptogenic herbs. So the patient feedback is going to be in instrumental in helping you be able to Absolutely. decide how you want to tweak it. But you'll get some biceps built before long. It doesn't take very long. And you start really, Absolutely. really getting and- confident. Patients will come in with more information. You know, they'll say, yeah. oh, I've been feeling, you know, I forgot to tell you I was really tired or I forgot to tell you this. So it's like, oh, okay, well, look, I'll just tweak your formula a little bit. You don't have to add another bottle of tablets. Yes, thank you. You can just that. tweak yeah. the formula. And yeah. look, patients love that. One of the, probably one of the most common things I've had said to me by patients when they've rang to make an appointment and sort of suss me out Um they will say, one thing I do not want is to walk out with a bag of tablets. That's right. We get that here too. They don't want that. Because I'm so sick of that. Mm -hmm. And so individual prescribing, it's not hard to just tweak formulations that you're already using to individualize them. One of the other key things is that it sets you apart from other practitioners because people know that you have the ability and the skill and the knowledge to blend these liquids. You're not just getting a bottle of tablets off the off the shelf and giving it to them, that someone has sold you and told you this is good for this. You've gone through the thought processes about what that particular patient actually needs. And they can't get it anywhere else. And they can't. And that's, that is the other thing 
if people want that, if it's working for them and they want to keep taking it, they have to come back to you. They can't go to online and get it. Right, right. They can't go to the local pharmacy or health food store and say, look, I'm taking this. Have you got something similar? They have to come back to you to get it. And look, I, I had a patient come to me for her second appointment once and I've, not so much now, but I used to always mix my herbs in the room with my patients. I had all my liquids in the consulting room and I'd mix them in front of the patient. And I had a patient come back for her second appointment once and she said, look, I have to tell you, I was so impressed with you last time. She said, you talked to me and you got all the information, then you just got up and you mixed all these herbs together and you didn't even have to look at a book to see what you needed to give me. And I said, no, that's what we do. Right. We're educated. We've done all these years of study that's right. in order to be able to do this. That's right. And she was really impressed. So really it's a great, great skill, even if you're not doing it in front of the patient, even if you've got them pre-mixed, you can say, look, okay, I'm just going to go out the back and mix you a formula that will just suit you. And the so- more that you can learn about the individual herbs, I always, when I, inside Clinical Academy, I teach how to get a three by five card is very rudimentary and very basic, but write the name of the herb on the top, the botanical name and the common name, and then write the actions of the herb mm-hmm. and then write the contraindications down if there are any, and then write the dose. Mm-hmm. And then you'll know, and then you look at, you think, oh, is calendula the right herb? Let me go look. And you just pull the card. You don't have to get a book out. You don't have to look. You can at least at a quick glance, grab that three by five card and go, yes, I think this is the right herb. And then you can go dig a little bit more, but it's got the dose on there. It's got the actions on there. You know how to use it. You know, if there's any contraindications, everything that you need, that's quick is right there on that card. And that, I think sometimes people get practitioners get overwhelmed because they think, okay, I really want to do this, but I, I don't know where to go. Where do I go? Look, and how do I find information and, and all of that, but we've got the herbal, list of herbs by actions. And then we have the list of actions by their herb That's or the right. herbs according right. those two, you don't need anything else. You just That's need right. to know how to dose them and that's it. That's so, right. And so a few things that we need to be cautious of, you know, that I'm, was my next question is, <laughs> is there anything we need to be worried about? Don't be nervous about using liquids, but there are some things we need to think about. So we have to think about contraindications in pregnancy and lactation yeah particularly pregnancy yeah um and uh i can get a a list of um oh look no actually we don't have a list for liquid herbs but if if you go to the if you don't already have it in your clinics and you're using herbal medicine a really good book is a herbal safety book written by by Kerry and Simon, Um, and that's got a list of herbs in pregnancy and lactation, and that that would be very useful. I'll make sure that we link that in the show notes, that we've got that herbal safety book linked in the show notes. You can order it from Standard Process, but it's called Herbal Safety, but I'll make sure that we put a link in there. Yeah, Yeah. so that's one one thing. But, look, on that topic, when I'm, I'm treating patients who are pregnant, female patients who are pregnant, and that's not a big part of my my clinic it's not my main focus of practice but I don't prescribe herbs unless they're needed so 
Yep. I, I am of that same opinion because I don't know what the patient is thinking. And if there's anything that does happen to happen with the pregnancy, I know people and people are going to want to blame what they don't understand. That, that's what exactly I don't right. want is for them to come back and say, you gave me ashwagandha and it made me have a miscarriage or whatever. Yes. And I, I don't want to deal with that. So I stick with supplements that are made from food, things that they understand, ingredients that they understand. So even if it's safe, I, you can do it, but I'm often, unless I know the patient very well, I'm, I often will steer away from that. So I do. Yes. Appreciate you yeah. saying that. I do I give nutritionals that, are, you know, the omega threes, yeah. you know, normal things that women need in pregnancy. Right. Uh, but with herbs, I am more cautious because they are always the first things to be blamed. Miscarriages happen so often. Yep. Uh, but if you happen to be on a herb and you go to your doctor and, oh, it's going to be that herb. Um, and I'll give you a really extreme example of this. I saw a woman many years ago now and, and she came to me and I can't remember what it was. I'm sure it was, you know, nervous system things. And uh, I gave her ashwagandha as one of the herbs in her formula. And next time she came back to me, or I think she phoned me, and she said, look, you gave me ashwagandha and it's contraindicated in pregnancy. And I said, well, actually, it's not. There are different parts of ashwagandha that have been used. Right. Maybe as abortifacients, but, you know, that's all a bit up in the air anyway. You know, some abortifacients are used topically as pastes or douches. Yeah. Not orally. So, yeah. you know, we don't always have this information, but it's not not the um, ashwagandha we use or the part of the plant. And she said it's contraindicated in pregnancy. I said, actually, it's not. What I've given you is not contraindicated in pregnancy. But I said, you're not pregnant, are you? You didn't tell me you were. And I always ask that. And she said, no, I'm not. And I said, you didn't tell me you were planning to get pregnant. And she said, well, I'm not, but this is contraindicated in pregnancy. And I just thought, okay, you're not my that. person, you know, bye-bye. So, you know, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we can, we can get some crazy things happening in clinical practice, yeah. but um, yeah. particularly first and third trimesters yeah. of pregnancy, yeah. I would use ashwagandha. The other herb that I will often use is milk thistle. Yes. Good. For, yep. for morning sickness of pregnancy. Yeah. And it works well. For what that. about, um, Along with ginger. what about chase tree during the first trimester? Uh, if women are already on chase tree, when yeah. they become pregnant and I might have them on chase tree because they've got corpus luteal insufficiency and lower yeah. progesterone in that yeah. luteal phase, which yeah. is a major cause of miscarriage. Right. So yeah, we really want to get that progesterone up. So we might have them on chase tree, uh, while they're trying to conceive, right. then I keep them on the chase tree for the first trimester at the same dose that they're on it because yeah. it's the cor the, the uh, corpus luteum keeps producing the progesterone for right. the first trimester until a placenta takes over. Right. So there's no point giving it past the first trimester, but if they're on it when they become pregnant, keep them on it keep for the first trimester. It. So Absolutely. are there, are there, let's talk about the low dose herbs, the ones that you yeah. would be, be very, very careful with, not that they're unsafe, but ones that you would just really want to be very cautious with and make sure that you're maintaining that dose that's recommended. And there are not very sure. many of them. There's not many of them, but the low dose herbs that I could think of, and I'll talk about each of them would be poke root, 
um, black cohosh, uh, ginkgo. Really? Yeah. I can't. Can you think of any others, Rhonda, mm -hmm. that are quite low no. dose? No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Those oh, are the three. And the, I think the black cohosh, everybody's pretty comfortable with the ginkgo. And I think you have yeah. some wiggle room a little bit with ginkgo. But oh, the black absolutely. cohosh and absolutely. the poke root, there's zero wiggle room. Yes. Zero. Now, with, with poke root, it's a fabulous herb, but the dose is one mil per day. Very say little. Five mil per week. So if you're making up a week, Formulation, 15 mil a day, 100 mil, you put 5 mil of poke root in that. Or you could do the 100 mil of the other herbs that you're wanting and you think, oh, they could use a bit of poke root because their lymphatic system's a bit sluggish or whatever. Uh, then you could add the 5 mil, make it 205, which is exactly right. one week. What, do you, what one would you week use poke root for? I use it. It's a fantastic lymphatic herb. Yes, it is. It's it can be good as part of skin conditions. It can be good for uh, sinus congestion as well. It's a depurative, yes? It's a depurative and a lymphatic. Yes. So depurative herbs were used for skin conditions. Yeah. 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 It's a great herb, but you absolutely have to stick to the dose. You cannot go above that one mil per day. Follow the dosing recommendations for these herbs. Stick with the dose. But, you know, I, I love using poke root. I'm not afraid of it. No, I've, poke root is a fabulous herb. Yeah. You just, you just stick to, to the, dose. the dosage. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I predominantly used it as for skin, but predominantly as a lymphatic. Lymphatic. It works so good for lymphatic. And you can mix it with other lymphatic things and calendula, which we also, yes. uh, is, you know, that's another good, you know, and often I'll use calendula as a lymphatic as well and just yeah. put that little tiny bit of poke root in the formulation. Yeah. What about black cohosh? Black cohosh is a fabulous female herb, particularly for menopausal symptoms. And, in fact, when we look at all of those um they're called, you know, phytoestrogenic herbs, which I think is a little bit misleading in some it ways. Is. But, yeah. but, you know, that we use for women in menopause. Black cohosh is by far the best researched, by far. Yeah, there's a lot and of research. It's a fantastic herb. There's no doubt that it works really well for the symptoms of menopause, particularly the hot flashes. There's a lot of research on that. Yeah. And uh, But the, the dose is sort of like 20, 20, top dose, 20 mil per week or two and a half mil per day. Right. You also have to stick to that because if you go over that, you're going to cause headaches, you're going to cause nauseousness. I had that experience myself. I took about five mils all at one time in one dose and a little bit of water because I was having such bad hot flashes. And I thought, okay, I got to try this black cohosh. And I have never had a headache like that and throw up, vomit, retching. But then when it was over, I was good. So yes. the, the secondary effect, I mean, it's not, not every herb has that kind of thing. Like you could dose ashwagandha pretty high. You could go above the range and there would never be an issue. But for those herbs that there are those, when the low dose is there, it's a little bit of a warning I guess I think I would take it as a warning to say, absolutely use care because this one is not like ashwagandha where we've got, you know, a bigger, a little bit bigger range or some of the other herbs that there's a really large range, you know, you can go up to 90 mils on some of these herbs. So it can absolutely. basically take up the whole formula if you wanted it to, but. And it's actually great when you're mixing liquid formulations and, you know, you might, 
you know, we can only put a certain number of herbs in a bottle. The one, right. one thing I would say, if you start mixing liquids, don't be tempted to try and cover too much in one bottle exactly. of liquids yeah. because you're trying to cram too many herbs in there and you'll have none of them at the therapeutic dose. I, so, I always say and- that there's like, you, you, you're always going to be fine with three, maybe four. Yeah. Maybe, and that's usually where I say, don't go more than four. Don't go yeah. more than four. Or, just, if just you're using a mixture of Chinese and Ayurvedic herbs, which are often sort of higher dosed, roughly we would say, as a general rule, most of those would be 30 to 60 mil per week. Okay. Uh, if if we're looking at the Western herbs, most of those are 20 to 40, 40. mil per week. Mm-hmm. There, there's exceptions, of course, but that's sort of a general rule. So if you're doing a formulation like I gave you first off with the Eleuthero, the Romania and the Ashwagandha, there's no way that you're going to get any more in there than three herbs. You can't. Right. Right, because they're not all enough high room. Those herbs. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. You know, uh, but if you're using some of the Western herbs that are 20 to 40 mil per week, you might be able to get four of those into a formulation. Correct. That's and right. occasionally, if you're using a very low dose herb, like poke root, right. then you can maybe get five in a formulation. Exactly. But you're but not going to do that very often. More often no, than not. No, you're not going to do yeah. that very often. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so you know, I think that, and, you know, ginkgo is 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 low dose. It's a two to one. So you don't need a high dose. Correct. So, so that's one meal per day as well. So, you know, and if you're putting it in a formula, just for simplicity, five meal per week. But, you know, ginkgo, you can go a little bit higher. Right. Uh, if you need to. Yeah. But for me, when, when I'm mixing liquid herbs, it's always a blessing when you've got, Oh yes, that's right. This one's low dose, so I'll be able to put that I can one in. Add that formula. in, yeah, that, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. But so the low dose, stick to the dose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. uh, Barris, this has been amazing, and we've covered a ton of ground about how to blend these liquid herbs. Can I just and- say one more thing before yeah. we finish? That? Yeah. And that is whether you're using tablets or whether you're using liquids. When you're using St. John's Wort. Be careful of herb-drug interactions. Yes. And uh, you can find that on the website in the herb-drug interaction chart. But this is a point where the liquid can be very beneficial because in in by far the majority of herb-drug interactions with St John's wort, it, it's caused by one of the constituents called hyperforin. And without going into a big spiel here about hyperforin, right. uh, it's, it's fairly unstable. It's more stable in tablets. In liquids, it's more unstable. So if you're wanting to use St. John's wort in a patient who are on a number of pharmaceutical medications, if you use the normal St. John's wort one to two liquid, that doesn't contain any hyperforin. Oh, I did not realise that. Yes. So, but then we have the St. John's wort high high grade that has yeah, right. higher high that also where at the time of manufacture it will have some hyperforin in it but in the liquid the hyperforin degrades over time quickly so yeah. the message here is if you're using st john's wort in patients on a number of pharmaceuticals the liquids are the safest way to go yeah 
uh, if you're concerned about a herb drug interaction, but always look at the herb drug interaction chart. And I'm not saying don't use it in tablet form because I use it a lot right. in tablet form. You just have to make sure you're more informed when you're using the tablets. Right. Yeah, the herb drug interaction form, as well as the other resources and references that I mentioned, uh, we, we talked about earlier, those are all inside Clinical Academy. So um, if you are a member of Clinical Academy, you can find them in there. If you're not a member, you can absolutely join us. We would love to have you inside. But uh, all that is in there about all how to li- blend liquid herbs, how to how to label them, how to seal them, how to dose them, what the minimum maximum is, a bunch of examples, et cetera. And so that's why Fantastic. I wanted to, that's a great resource. That's why I wanted Barris to come on and chat about this because it is such a powerful way for you to promote your practice, create that thing that only you do for your niche. And if you have those one, two, three kind of core blends, and then you can just tweak them slightly. For every patient, like there's a hot flash blend that we love using that has some sage in it. It's got some ashwagandha in it. And it's just a beautiful blend that helps reduce hot flashes. And women love it. In fact, not long ago, we were out of sage and there was a lot of menopausal women that were not happy because we we couldn't make it. So you just find that herbal blend that you love that works for the people that you serve. And then they just keep coming back and back and back and back. And this is what creates a sticky practice right? Sticky as in patient sticky. So Barris, thank you so much. You are always- Thank you so much. Wonderful. I hope we can do it again. (laughs) We will. And you, your smiling face always reminds me of a combination of the happy St. John's wort and the beautiful saffron. Oh, thank you. Just so smiley and happy and you have a beautiful smile and you're just in love with these plants as I am. And And I do take quite a bit of those herbs some days, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) As we all do some days more than others. That's right. Well, Barris, thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much, Rhonda. Thank you. Well, I don't usually do these types of podcasts, and this one did go a little bit longer, but I thought you might really enjoy just having a nice, deep clinical conversation about how you can better help your patients using liquid herbs, which I love using, if you couldn't tell. Barris and I both love using them in practice. So this is nothing that you should ever be worried about or afraid of. There are lots of research available, lots of reference material available for you that's loaded with all the research references that will help you feel much more confident if you do decide to integrate some of this into your practice. So uh, I have got links to those in the show notes. One of them that Barris was mentioning that I use all the time is called the Herbal Guide to the Essential Guide to Herbal Safety. And it's by Carrie Bone and Simon Mills. As well, there's another resource that I use a lot. Well, two, actually. Well, three, actually. (laughs) I'll link all of them in the show notes for you. But one of them is called The Clinical Guide to Blending Liquid Herbs. And when you're just getting started, I highly recommend this resource. The second one is called The Principles and Practice of Phytotherapy. It actually won uh, the some significant awards in 2018 over even James Duke's uh, book, 
And uh, then the third one is just a tiny little book, and it's called The Herbal Compendium. And that one is like a a quick start go-to guide that helps you kind of dissect everything that there is that you need to know about herbal actions, et cetera. So we could get all nerdy and clinical, but if you would like more training on liquid herbal medicine or using that in your practice, I have an extensive amount of information available inside Clinical Academy, and Clinical Academy is is just an online membership for clinicians who want the down and dirty, real talk, street cred, like this is how you use it, not the quote, you know, compliant version of how to use a supplement. But all of this is from my own clinical experience after 20 years of working with people on all kinds of health topics. So it's my 20 years of clinical information in there as clinical protocols and references and resources and patient education and protocol, all the things is all in there. So I will link that in the show notes as well. But you can go to rondanelson.com forward slash clinical academy. And that will take you right in and you can learn more about that and get signed up to jump in and join us. I would love to have you. Otherwise, my friend, take care. I will see you next week on the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. (laughs)